Welcome to the Mojo Maker for Women in Tech podcast, where you will learn career strategies and techniques to help you break down barriers, make more money, and thrive in your tech life at work and at home. Technology has never been more mission critical to our online stay-at-home world, and you are the key to its success. You'll hear from diverse women in tech as well as experts who share both personal and professional strategies so you can transform your work and your workplace from the inside out. I'm Karen Morstel, former Silicon Valley tech leader and serial CISO for iconic brands like AT&T Wireless, Microsoft, and Russell Investments. I hope you will join me in my mission and message of resilience and transformation to make an inclusive and equitable tech industry. If you find this show helpful, please leave us a like and share it. And don't forget to hurry over to createyourleadingedge.com to join innovative and affordable group coaching for women in tech on your terms. And now on to Mojo Maker for Women in Tech. Welcome back to this episode of the Mojo Maker for Women in Tech podcast. My friend and colleague Claudia Schabel and I tackle a commonly held belief about meritocracy and suggest that as a system, meritocracy has evolved into a system of who is in and who is out. This is a thought-provoking episode. I hope you'll join us as we riff on inclusion, diversity, fairness, and the beliefs and systems that women buy into that also hold them back. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Mojo Maker for Women in Tech podcast. You know how great it is when you sit down with someone over a cup of coffee and you can talk with your colleague who shares your passion and your vision and brings all kinds of really amazing insight. Well, that's what it's like for me to sit down and talk with my guest today, Claudia Schabel. She's the president of Schabel Solutions, and she has more than a decade of experience as a diversity and inclusion practitioner with Fortune 100 and 500 companies and brings a multicultural background to offer consulting, training, and coaching services in the area of diversity, equity, and inclusion. Shable Solutions is an intercultural development inventory certified woman minority owned business in Iowa. And there are such a long list of things here, Claudia, for your credentials. I am so grateful to have you on the show. You bring your own multicultural background. I think I should probably mention that you are a native of Brazil. You speak Portuguese. You've lived in Japan for quite some time. You speak Japanese, Spanish, English. So you know what? I'm so thrilled to have you here and thank you for joining me on the show. Thank you so much, Karen. It's my pleasure to be here and it's always fun to spend time with you. So I feel like I am having a cup of coffee with you. <laughs> That's wonderful. Whenever you and I get together and talk, we share this passion and this vision for what it would be like to have a truly equitable and diverse workforce Let's just face it right now. Let's have equity, diversity, inclusion everywhere. This isn't just about the workforce anymore. The recent events around us have really, I think, opened up a lot of people's eyes to what it could be if we really move in this direction. And so there's no one else I'd be rather talking to about this right now, given the history that you and I have had together trying to bring forth a more equitable and diverse and inclusive workforce. So Let's talk about that, though, just a little bit here at the beginning of the show. 
what is happening all around us. I see lots of goodness on the horizon, lots of pain in the meantime. What are you seeing? Yes, you are right. There's so much happening. You know, just a few weeks ago, Karen, with COVID-19 pandemic, I was trying to decipher what was the temperature of organizations in general, in corporate America and otherwise, what were they thinking about the importance of diversity, equity, and inclusion in the workplace and in our communities? And I couldn't really tell if they were prioritizing it the way they were doing so before the pandemic. And then time goes by and something horrific happened with the murder of George Floyd and now with the social unrest that we're having. I think people are starting to understand that without the diversity, equity, and inclusion focus that we all need to keep in our lives, there isn't a safe community for all of us anymore. And it's very sad that it had to come to the murder of George Floyd for us to recognize the importance of it. But it is rewarding now to know that we can reimagine a future with more equity, with more social justice, with more inclusivity. And that's what gives me hope for a better future. I love the idea that such a horrific, terrible tragedy is going to be redeemed in a way that makes the world better for everybody. I think that honors the memory of George Floyd and not only him, but so many others who preceded him. So I want to spend a few minutes acknowledging that we are in such a momentous time. And I appreciate your insights on that, Claudia. We need to keep the work going (laughs) and try to make this a more just and equitable place for everybody. Yes. And Karen, let me just share one more thing, because I would be naive if I were not to recognize this publicly, that it takes more than protests for us to keep this momentum going. It takes intentionality. It takes commitment on a personal level and also organizationally speaking. So my hope is that we all recognizing that we can't go back to what it used to be before the pandemic. There is only a post-pandemic world now. And that world, whatever it becomes of it, it's because of what we choose to do and what we choose not to do. So there's a lot of personal responsibility here that I'm taking very seriously. Yes, absolutely. Well, that's what we're doing here, trying to have this conversation about it, reaching people out there, sharing your insights, because you bring some incredible experience and work with all of the companies that you currently serve. So you've got some insights here that I think are so relevant to this. And while We aren't going to solve this problem on a podcast. We (laughs) are doing every single day, every little bit. That's all that any one of us can do to keep this moving forward. Because you're right, there's no going back. And who would want to, right? Yes, I, I completely agree with you, Karen. I personally, and I think you're very much like this, I love creating things, creating products, creating content, and having the opportunity to create a community that is more reflective of our values for me is very exciting. I also recognize that maybe not everyone is as excited as you and I are, and that will make things quite challenging. But when when do business leaders give up on a challenge? We don't. We keep going. So more to come for sure. Definitely, definitely. And I think 
by having these conversations for those people who are having a certain amount of trepidation and maybe even anxiety about what does the future look like, you know, the worst thing, like, what do we say? We have nothing to fear, but fear itself. When we can keep talking about it, when we can kind of keep moving things forward and shining a light in a positive way about what's really possible, hopefully what we start to do also is remove some of that fear out of change because change is scary, right? So we're going to just do our best to try to minimize the scariness because I see nothing but goodness coming out of this, as Mm -hmm. do you, I know. (laughs) So you and I first worked together in 2019. We were at the RSA conference in San Francisco on our big four-hour panel kicked off the conference when we talked about diversity, equity, and inclusion and managing talent in a competitive talent environment. That was really a very well-attended event. I guess we were kind of both really happily surprised to see how many people were there. Yes, you did a great job putting it together. (laughs) Well, I had lots of help, as you know, (laughs) you were part of that. So we had a really great response. And I think that kind of inspired us to keep having these conversations. And one of the topics that... You and I have also found that we really share in common. I would like to spend some time focused on today because there's so many topics in the area of DE&I that we could be talking about. But we had a conversation about, I don't know, what, two or three weeks ago when we decided to do this podcast, and that was this topic about meritocracy. And we're talking specifically about women in tech in you know the whole tech culture and what that culture is like and how that historically has been. So we want to talk about meritocracy today. I think we need to do a little bit of groundwork around what does that term mean when we use the term meritocracy? Do you want to share a little bit about your perspective on that? Absolutely. So I grew up believing that meritocracy is something that you are able to obtain or attain because you built the ability, you built the skills, you worked really hard to get it, right? But meritocracy, by definition, it's the power by people selected on the basis of their ability, right? That's the definition we see in the dictionary. In the normal everyday life, we use meritocracy to say, you got a job, you got a promotion on the basis of merit, You deserve it because you have the skill sets, you have what it takes to do that job. And that concept for me is what guided my whole life, my professional life, up until I started to question it, up until I started to rethink what that actually really means. And today I have a completely different understanding of meritocracy. And for me, meritocracy, and I'll dive right into it, Karen, meritocracy for me is now one of those aged standards or even policies to decide who's in and who's out. It's used as a filter to let people that are more aligned with a thought process to get rewarded for what they do. So in other words, 
I will just break this down to make it very clear. What I am really talking about here is the fact that a lot of us women go into the workplace thinking that if we work really hard, if we follow the rules, if we do step A, B, and C in our career progression, we're going to get to that dream job we have. Why? Because we're following the process and because people told us if we do step A, B, and C, we are gold. We got it. And that is not the reality. That is no longer what happens. Maybe it did happen at some point in corporate America, but today it doesn't. One of the things I have seen over and over again is people justifying why we have less women in leadership roles, why we have less women in tech, why we have less women in tech and in leadership roles in tech. It's because people don't have the abilities. You know, women are not as willing to work hard. Women are not as willing to do this kind of work and all of those other excuses. And again, there are some women that are not willing to do those jobs. Completely understand that. But there are plenty of women that are willing to do those jobs and what's happening with them. Many of them are following the rules and they're not getting where they want to be at. So the concept that meritocracy still exists in tech and otherwise, for me, is a big, big, I was going to say myth, but I prefer to say it's a big lie. I think we're lying to ourselves because if we decide today that is no longer how we decide who deserves what, then what will replace meritocracy? Do we have something in place right now that could replace meritocracy? I don't know. I don't know that the answer to that question, but that's the challenge. Why don't we look more into could equitably replace meritocracy today? And that's what I have been doing the work to do, Karen, to find out what could we use instead of meritocracy to really identify key talent within our organizations that could be promoted to jobs that they're very capable of doing. So, Claudia, I want to come back to meritocracy. We're talking about meritocracy, and thank you for that explanation of it. I think what you are saying, the idea that meritocracy exists is more than a myth. It's an actual lie. And I've gone as far to say meritocracy is dead. And I'll share my perspective of it, because I was really shocked when I found out in the formal management process in tech organizations right now, Research has showed that between 80 and 90% of the performance reviews that are done of women in the tech industry contain non-actionable negative language about their personality, Mm. right? So there's nothing you can really do about that. It's not about the same kind of metrics because men's performance reviews, 3% of their performance reviews show up with that kind of language. So there's this gigantic disparity And I think that is some of the content that people are actually using to justify that women are not suitable for promotion. Mm -hmm. And that's my theory. So, yeah, I mean, the idea that meritocracy is dead. So many companies say that they have meritocracy. So if it's really dead and we just don't know it yet everywhere, (laughs) what do we do next? Like what's next and exactly. and is it that we try to go back and say 
meritocracy is the fair thing, or maybe it's not even fair anymore in this new world that we're looking at. Yeah. And and Karen, that's the question I have been wrestling with. I think it's very interesting that we're so attached to this whole concept of meritocracy. A lot of us, even the people that are criticizing this concept, are not willing to give up yet. So one of the things that I try to do is to really define it for what it is. What is it that we want out of this process. So is it transparency and compensation? Is it transparency in what we mean when we say this person is competent? Is it transparency in the evaluation process or the performance reviews that we have, like you mentioned? What is it that we really want out of this process or this concept. And it's hard because, again, it's ingrained in us that if you work hard, then you will be able to attain X, Y, and Z. You earned, on basis of merit, certain things. And it's so interesting, Karen, that I am not from the U.S. I grew up in Brazil and I lived in Japan. And uh, those two cultures also believe in merit differently. But more so here in the U.S., I can see how the whole persona of the United States of America is based on hard work and merit. Yeah, that's that whole idea of pulling yourself up by your bootstraps. We hear that a lot, right? Exactly. It's just that every pity doesn't have the same bootstraps anymore. Exactly. So for us to give up on those ideas, it means reconstructing this whole value system for generations to come. And that's a big job. And we all have those success stories because we know many people that were able to do that, start from zero and be where they are at today. But those are the exceptions today, Karen. They're not the norm. Well, they were from a different era, It's interesting, just for a little bit of personal information, but I was really raised in a household where the elders in the household were born in the 19th century, right? And so I have this generational spanning cultural perspective from my own background, where my grandfather was the youngest of a family, and he was born in 1883. So I heard all those stories about how they came out to the Pacific Northwest where I grew up and were lumberjacks and they built their homes and they built their comfortable, I wouldn't say fortune, but they built a life and they were able to make many things happen. And there were some of them, my grandfather was one who became a manufacturer and he built a very successful business coming from a place of real poverty. But in those days, the field was a completely different field. We were talking about Everybody was kind of coming from a standpoint of not having a lot when you were building a a new country, right? There were still those who did that on the backs of others. So I'm not trying to minimize that at all. But a lot of people, everybody in our neighborhood, everybody was middle class or lower middle class, right? We didn't have this very unequal, what looks like a very unequal dynamic that has grown over time. The disparity, I guess, has grown over time. Yes, it has. It has. And it's interesting that when I talk with my clients now, Karen, we're doing a generational wealth gap workshop to understand 
How did it become so large, the disparities? What happened? And you will see that there are many institutions that have policies that are biased. You will see that there is always this meritocracy concept weaved into building those policies or designing those policies. So it's very interesting to see how prevalent those biases are and how easily accepted they are when it justifies the selection process based on merit. Yeah. So we don't really know exactly how it's going to shake out. This is still something that's a work in progress. Yes. I'd love to bounce something around with you if I can. Sure. So as we're trying to work with women in tech, my goal is to make sure that even though the system is still broken, that women, and I mean diverse women of every background, have the opportunity to have the visibility, they have opportunity, they have fair compensation. So the premise is the system is still broken. Meritocracy is dead. What do we do now and work around that? And so we created a process that sort of required us to take a look at why did meritocracy work for some people and not for others. And one of the things that I discovered, the more I heard about this from the women who go through our program, there's a a formal performance management process. And then there is the real performance management process, (laughs) I guess I want to call it, that happens outside of the formal paperwork and the formal mediated HR process. And that is how people build relationships and share information about their self-promotion, if you want to call it that, their dreams of what it is they want to do in their job, building connections with people who can help them. All of that happens sometimes outside of the formal process. It happens when the guys go to the climbing wall together. It happens when the guys go out for beers. It happens when there's foursomes for golf on the weekend. And I'm not saying that that's bad, but what I'm saying is that there's an entire community at work that can't participate in that performance management process, and we have to make a new way for them to do it. Absolutely, Karen. I completely agree with you. And I will also share this whole thought again is is a work in progress, but I'll share with you, Karen, that we women also have bought into this system, maybe because we had no other choice, right? I think all of us need a job or decide how much of the, the politics and inequities we can take. But I think we bought into the system. So many of us that actually climb the ladder and are able to be in a position that we can influence how meritocracy is being used or how it's being defined and all the other systems that keep the inequities in place, we don't know what to do. We move along and go along to get along because one, it's hard to make the changes all by yourself, but also because sometimes deep down we think we earned it. We worked hard to get there. And now it's other people's turn to work just as hard to get to the same place you mm. were able to do so. And I'm not pointing fingers. I am just trying to reflect on what make us women buy into this system and this process and not really come up with something else. Yeah, you know, I talk about that as the Brotopia blueprint. (laughs) And the Brotopia blueprint actually is not just a blueprint for the guys. It is a blueprint that's overlaid on everyone. And we adopted it. I adopted it. I didn't know any better. 
I really resonated there when you said, when we work really hard and we make it, let's just say we make it, I made it to the top of my career by not just working hard, but sometimes working what I thought was three times as hard. I can outwork anybody. I'll just put that out there right now. <laughs> but, um, I, don't, I don't doubt you. <laughs> but I just wanted to visit there is that I really resonated with when you said, well, we made it. And we kind of now turn around and say, well, I did it. You can do it. And in fact, the very first article I wrote on LinkedIn, when I realized what the situation was and how many women were leaving tech, they're leaving in droves. I wrote an article for LinkedIn. I think it's still out there that says we need to toughen up and this is why. And I think to some extent I was like, well, I did it. You could do it. And I'm not sure that that's the right thing for us to be saying right now at all. Mm-hmm. Isn't you know? that interesting how we evolve, right, Karen? I'm sure mm-hmm. I did some of that in my career too. And that's why now I'm so curious to see what can we as a community, as a group, specifically for the women in tech, what can you come up with? Let's be brave. Let's dream. Let's reimagine what it could be. The time is now. Yeah. I would say for everyone who's listening out there, if you are a woman in tech, you need a sponsor and you need them yesterday. And I would encourage anyone to make sure that they start their own version of that informal out-of-band performance management system by finding a sponsor. And um, I have all kinds of suggestions about how to do that that we won't get into here, but get a sponsor because that's the person who advocates for you when you're not in the room. That's what is going to make the difference in terms of your visibility and opportunity, unless you happen to be really blessed, like I was with great managers who had my back. So that's one thing, right? Get a sponsor. And on the other side of that, everyone who's listening to the show, if you are in a position to be a sponsor, don't assume that the women out there are just not coming to you and asking. Be the one to reach out to say, I see you. I believe in you and I want to help you. We need so much more of that right now. Mm-hmm. Yes, we do. I'm recognizing that the system is broken and saying, don't divert all of your energy focused on the fact that the system is broken and you can't, if it's holding you back. Because the Sound of Music says, when the door gets shut, there's a window open somewhere. Yes. yes. <laughs> you know, I- For a long time, Karen, I think companies, and specifically tech companies, have been trying really hard to diversify their workforce with people of color, with women. And what I really wish people would understand is that it's great that you want to recruit people. It's great that you want to diversify your workforce, but clean up the house first. I always tell my clients, if I'm hosting a party, the first thing I do is to clean up my house because I want my guests to feel comfortable and they come over. Oh, true. So true. Wow. What a great point. But a lot of companies are not cleaning up their house and they keep inviting people over and then they don't understand why they left so soon. That's really true, Claudia. Yeah. I mean, you and I've talked about this before that the uh, difficulty starts in the recruitment process, right? It's not just a matter of people needing sponsors and stuff who are already in the workplace, but if they're going to be setting the tone, I guess, the tone has to start before you even really start recruiting people. Exactly. And one more thing I'd like to 
drop in here, Karen, and I would love to hear your two cents on this. You know, we talk about performance reviews as the end-all, be-all metric for good performance. And I think we women, we bring so much more to the table than what the performance review are telling us is important. I think many people in general have put their performance review at risk to be a team player. Many people have ignored their performance ratings to do something that they really cared about, not only for themselves, but for the whole organization, even though the organization didn't recognize that was important at the time. So we're not capturing those instances very well. And I would also say that I think those performance reviews and performance ratings that are in place right now, they're fabricating this mentality of scarcity versus abundance. And as an entrepreneur, I choose abundance every single day. You know what? Boom. (laughs) I never thought of it that way before, but you're absolutely right that there is, this is a limited pie. Some are going to get it and some are not. That's exactly what that scarcity system is in the performance management process. And I guess, you know, I would say, Claudia, I don't think there's a performance management process out there that actually works. Uh And to your point, where people will sometimes take a hit for doing something that they believe is right, but it doesn't get them credit. I've also worked in those environments that are so, so driven by the annual performance review that people will rigidly stick to what is on paper in terms of how they're going to be measured at the end of the year. And they will bypass every opportunity to show up in greatness and to innovate and to do something out of band because it's not in their performance plan. Yes. Yeah. It works against us in every conceivable way, doesn't it? Yes, it does. Yeah. It's very upsetting if you stop to think about it. Well, I hope we come up with a new way to do it. In the meantime, I think what I would welcome from anyone who's listening, if you hear or if you have an idea about what would really work, what have you done that works? Because to be honest, just saying work twice as hard as the guys work three times as hard isn't sustainable and it's not fair and it doesn't really in the long run serve you. So what works? What have you found that works? What ideas do you have about the performance management system? Do we just throw it out the window and start over? It does seem to me like it's kind of a legal construct, actually, that that's why it's in place. But what could we do about it that would make it better while we are coping with the fact that this is a broken process and we have to find a way to make the system and the work environment work for everybody. And I guess, Claudia, maybe part of that foundation is just putting it out there that meritocracy is really dead. Yes. Yes. Maybe that's the beginning of the new beginning. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's the conversation. I appreciate that we've had this time together to kind of have that conversation. Meritocracy is dead. And let's not keep perpetuating that idea that that is still something that's an ideal that we should strive for. We need to strive for something different, even if we don't really know what it is yet. Sounds like that's where we're going. Yes. Claudia, tell the people who are listening, what do people need to do to get a hold of you? And if they want to talk to you about diversity, equity, and inclusion and seek out services, tell me how people can get a hold of you. 
I'll be happy to. So I am on social media. You can find me on LinkedIn. You can find me on Facebook, uh, Instagram, and so forth. But I am much better if you email me. My email address is shabo at shabosolutions.com. I will respond every email I receive. So don't hesitate. Even if it's a question or even if to say, Claudia, you're wrong, I will welcome any type of communication from this group. Absolutely. I know that. By the way, I can vouch for that. Claudia is the best person to sit down and have a conversation with on this topic. It's just, I can't wait for us to get back together as a group and sit face to face one of these days and have some more of these conversations. It's delightful to talk with you, Claudia. Me too. Looking forward to it. Okay. You take care and we'll talk again soon. You too, Karen. Have a good one. Thank you. That's it for today's show. Mojo Maker for Women in Tech podcast is part of the ecosystem of knowledge sharing and affordable group coaching to help reverse the trend of women leaving tech and to help diverse women in male-dominated industries get the visibility, opportunities, and compensation they deserve. Be sure to check out our five-day challenge by visiting us online at createyourleadingedge.com. Like what you hear? Subscribe, share, or leave a review wherever you listen to the show. We'll be back again next week. Be well, stay strong, and remember, be an ally.